American songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to Ben, Warren, and Brian of Knives over Zoom video. Ben, Warren, and Brian are usually behind the scenes when it comes to playing with bands. Warren does playback for a lot of artists. He actually works with Slipknot now, who do not have playback, but he describes what he does for Slipknot, which is really cool. Um, he did playback for a bunch of artists prior to that, worked with Linkin Park, and that's where he met Ben. Ben also worked for Linkin Park as a guitar tech, and he got his career started working with the band The Matches. And Ben met Brian working for Fall Out Boy. So currently, Ben and Brian work together with Fall Out Boy. So the band kind of started as a back project to their full-time gig, working with these massive, massive bands. Ben and Warren started jamming together. Ben plays guitar and sings. Warren is the drummer, and they met working for Lincoln Park. They would, you know, pass riffs back and forth and kind of jam together. And when Ben met Brian working for Fall Out Boy, that's when everything fell into place and Knives was formed. Ben, Warren, and Brian talk about their career paths and music and how they're able to get the jobs that they, they currently have and, and working on the Knives Project, putting out their first EP in October and their most recent EP called Regression to the Mean. You can watch the interview with Warren, Ben, and Brian on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with knives. Thank you all for, for being here. This is awesome. Um, our podcast is all about you guys, your journey in music, and how you guys form knives and what you got going on today. Awesome. Are we, are we starting now? Or are we just so we, we uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just roll right into it. <laughs> just roll right in. Cool. <laughs> well, how about we all just go through and t tell me where you were born and raised? Okay. Uh, well, I'm Ben, a uh, singer, guitar player, guy in the band, and uh, I was born and raised in uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, lived in uh, lived in Murfreesboro, Tennessee for a few years in college and moved out to L.A. about 18 years ago. Awesome. Awesome. How did you get into music? How did I get into music? Uh, I, I got, gosh, when I was like 17, I got a bass. When I was 18, I got a guitar and then just slowly over time got better at them at a very slow rate. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Brian? How, where were you born and raised? Um, I'm from Long Island, New York. I was born in New York City, raised in Long Island. Um, I've lived in Chicago, and then I moved back to New York. And I'm in LA. Been here for wow, it's been seven years now. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah. How did you get into music? I mean, music has just been around my whole life, and I start. I mean, I really started taking it seriously when I was in probably like junior high school. I started playing trying to play bass i wasn't very good at it but still not very good at it <laughs> <laughs> i don't know still a that. work in progress right <laughs> that's awesome and what about you warren howard how'd you get into music uh well i'm from Where were you born and raised? <laughs> uh, yeah i was i was born in washington dc okay uh, i moved to boston to go to college for four years i Did moved to, to berkeley yeah, I went to Berkeley. Okay, wow. Uh, one of the very few people who actually graduated from Berkeley. <laughs> um, and then uh, moved to New York City for two years after that, and then moved to New York or moved to Los Angeles, um, and was in Los Angeles for about eighteen years. And now I'm currently in London. Oh wow! Okay, that's yeah. awesome. Well, it's so, Warren, yeah. Warren's our Warren's our wild card. It's like, oh, we got a <laughs> Berkeley trained musician in our band. Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, what'd you go to Berkeley for? <laughs> Drum set performance and music synthesis. I got two major two degrees in nine semesters. 
Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, so I, you know, it, and school was awesome. Cause it was just like, you know, I was either going to class to like play drums all day or going to class to like make computers, make weird noises. And, you know, drum and bass had really just started, you know, showing itself in the States around that time. So I like started DJing and, and did that, you know, a whole bunch and then combined the two. So it was really like, you know, but my, my career with being a roadie, like my position didn't even really exist when I went to school. Playback wasn't really a thing. Like, you know, some people no. were like syncing DA88s and, you know, there was a little bit of like Pro Tools kind of stuff going on. But like that position, like didn't really actually exist when I, you know, when I started doing well, when I when I graduated from school and then when I got out to L.A., it was like hey, this position kind of exists. And then I was able to just use all of this stuff that I was readily doing, you know, on my own in this career that, you know, at one point, like uh, only like the biggest, you know, arena stadium acts could afford or were really into. And now everybody's got playback. Everybody's got their little label. Oh man, there's like little baby bands now that got using playback. They show up with their ears and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I got into music because I, I come from a very musical family, uh, got musical parents. Mom was a musical theater teacher. Uh, Pops was a drummer. So it's just like, you know, I've, I've been, my, my little sister plays nine instruments, including the bagpipes. My older brother <laughs> plays the bass. I mean, I, I come from a very musical family, so I don't really know how to do anything else. Wow. So, <laughs> so moving, moving to L.A. was a natural step, and it just kind of went from there. And then I met these two guys while I was, we were all doing our thing. Right on. Well, can you just explain what playback is just so everybody understands? So basically, if uh, you got your band members on stage, mm -hmm. in order to fill out the sound um, with m more, you know, you only have a, a band with three, four, five, six, Slipknot's case nine, but they don't use playback. <laughs> um, uh, members, in order to fill out the sound and really like, you know, put in a whole bunch of stuff so you don't have to hire a choir or a string section or multi-percussionist or something like that. Um, you have a playback engineer and it's essentially like being a DJ, but you're a DJ with a redundant computer system with all of the stuff that's not on stage, vocal loops, percussion loops, you know, extra guitars, you know, a lot of drum samples and just, just things that aren't covered by the musicians who are on stage or in the band. Okay. Well, I feel like um, one, one, one of the things to clear up for anybody listening that's never heard of us, not only are we an awesome rock band, but we are all roadies for amazing rock bands, too. Yeah, I want to get <laughs> so into that's that. that's kind of our background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, because, Ben, you and Brian met as roadies, right? Or back yeah, to we met. Okay. So, yeah, we met in 2005 Yeah, four or five. 2005, I think. We were both when, on a warp Tour back when you oh, were wow. doing... Yeah, yeah, we were. I think that's initially where we met. And no, the first time actually, we, ever... we actually met uh, to to make it boring and specific on the Epitaph <laughs> Records tour. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, the yeah, Epitaph yeah. Oh, Records wow. tour. Who I can't remember. That was like for? sixteen years ago. Uh, I was with Motion City Soundtrack at the time, oh, and I was rad. working for uh, a band called The Matches. Oh, I didn't remember The Matches. Yeah, they're <laughs> awesome. They're awesome. Okay, so how, well, that's interesting. Well, Ben, so, how about you tell me how you got into that whole career path then i want to hear from brian oh yeah yeah well so i got into roadieing so i went to school middle tennessee state university like i knew i wanted to do something in music and i found out about their recording industry major out there basically um learn you know learn recording music recording music business but at an actual four-year college so my parents were happy moved out to <laughs> la to work at uh recording studios in 2003 i was working at a henson recording studio for a few months and i'd met a oh, band wow. there 
uh, called Stereogram. They were doing their debut record for Capital. And they were like, oh, once we're done, like we need a guitar tech and a tour manager. And I was really interested in the, uh, I, I kind of saw like the studio stuff maybe going downhill over the next few years. Mm -hmm. And uh, touring always intrigued me. So I was like, I can guitar tech and tour manage. Didn't even realize that I was lying. I was just like, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. And then it was kind of got into it and learn as I went. And so, yeah, I worked for that band for about a year. And then just kind of from there, I was like, I'll just, I'll, I'll do this for a year. Let somebody uh, pay me uh, to see the world. And then I'll go get a real job. And then just okay. kind of kept being bigger and bigger bands. Wow. So you just kind of worked your way up from one band to the next band. And it was all yeah. just through what networking and yeah, well, people? I got really lucky that, um, so the matches were the second band I worked for and I actually sought them out. Um, cause I just thought they were awesome made mm -hmm. convince them to hire me, but they were, <laughs> they were a band's band. So they got, they got a lot of great tours and that's how I kind of built my network okay. um, of, of meeting other production managers, other roadies, other guitar techs. And that, that kind of then uh, was what helped me build up that network to get to, to then a level bands. Sure. And then you guys met with, with Linkin Park. So you and yeah, Brian? Uh, no. So me and, so me and Warren met now, now we're fat. So me and Brian met in 2000, um, four or five. Oh yeah. Warped and tour. then, yeah. Then fast forward to 2000. Oh gosh. I can't remember when I first met Warren, but Warren had been working with Lincoln park for a while and I was doing what some of my friends were engineers. So I was just kind of going in and just doing like setting up guitars in the studio every once in a while. Uh, and then, uh, Warren hit me up and was like, you know, we kind of knew each other, but he's like, yo, we need a guitar tech for Lincoln Park. You interested? I'm like, yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> and so that's, that's how that started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, what about you? I want to hear Warren out how you got involved with them as well, but, uh, Brian, so how did you get into oh, like, you know, I mean, for motion city soundtrack or, well, uh, you know, initially it was, I had been in bands touring as a you know as a musician i was a singer in a band and then i was a bass player a singer in another band and uh that ran until about two you know from when i graduated high school to like 2003 ish uh it was kind of when i stopped playing music like i'm um, you know touring or whatever or i thought i was gonna stop and i ended up touring with um motion city soundtrack as a tech so from 2004 to 2008 um around no 2004 to 2006 i was with them pretty much the same as ben where i like came on as a guitar tech but then ended up tour managing at one point and then like production manager and then i was like uh, dude at one point i was like running their monitors i was like i don't know how to do any of this what is going on but like not realizing <laughs> that i was actually learning a lot like uh -huh. i just you know like you you throw yourself in the fire and then you just kind of learn all this stuff as you're going if you don't really know it and i was always lucky to be around you know, we toured with Blink-182 and we toured with bigger bands where I could go to their techs who had been around for a while and be like, hey, I don't know how to do this. Like, show me how to put pickups in a guitar or whatever. Like, I kind of not that fake it till you make it thing, but I really wanted to make something of it because being in a band up until that point was fun and I just lost tons of money and I was finally getting paid. And I was like, well, maybe I can do this and do a band on the side, you know? Sure. But then... So from there, you know, I, I ended up getting other, you know, bigger, same thing, like you get bigger and bigger jobs. Cause like, if you're taking it seriously and you're doing your job, whatever, you're going to end up getting, you know, and you start networking with people and you start getting bigger jobs. And right after motion city, I left for a minute, 
I got a call by Fall Out Boy, and that was in 2006. Wow. And pretty much I've been with them since then. And they which were is, like massive which is, at that point. They were they had just broken pretty big right then. So huh. 2006, 2000, early 2007 was like some of my first tours with them. And, you know, basically since then I've I've done that and, you know, worked for, a, a, you know, a few other bands when they're off. But um, that's been my main thing since then. That's amazing. And Warren, so how did you get involved in the, you were saying you did, uh, um, sorry, Backline? For, I can't remember. Uh, the, the... So it, um, I actually started out as a local, local stagehand. Like okay. when I was 15, I started mowing the lawn at the, like, at the, the <laughs> concert, concert pavilion out just outside Washington, DC. It used to be called Nissan Pavilion. It's now called Jiffy Lube Live. I will never refer to it as that. Of course. That's like in San Diego. The big one was, I'm from there. And it was like Coors Amphitheater was what I remember. Oh, yeah, I, I remember the Coors Amphitheater. Like, I, think it's like not, I think it's like Sleep Train or I don't even know. If it's yeah, Sleep Train, it's some, Pavilions. Yeah. Something else now, but it, it, I was still referred to it as Coors. Yeah. Oh, cool. You changed to a mattress company from a beer company? Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying that out loud. <laughs> right. Sleep oh. Train. <laughs> yeah, so I started mowing the lawn there when I was 15. And so by the time I was like 16, 17, I started working on the stage. And then from there, I started, you know, by the time I was 19, 20, I started being a rigger. And then, you know, we had like the biggest tours in, you know, the country come through there on a daily, weekly basis. So I was meeting all of these touring people and, you know, some of them, you know, took a liking to me or whatever. And I, I met this one dude. Um, who's now you know, been with Maroon 5 forever. Um, and he and I just kind of hit it off. And I was like, yo, man, I'm moving to Los Angeles next summer. He was like, here's my phone number. Hit me up. I was like, okay. So I get to Los Angeles and I hit him up. And he's like, man, I gave my number out to like all these people. And you're the only person who's hit me up. I was like, well, I'm here. I'm looking for work. Like, let me know. Then Ashley Simpson had her... Oh, sure. Saturday Night Live debacle. Oh, yeah, okay. And literally the next day, my phone rang to be her playback engineer. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> they're from, like, this guy's fired. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it was the drummer. The like, the, they didn't have a playback guy. They entrusted the drummer to do it. And instead of moving to the next session in between songs, the drummer went and hung out or, you know, was doing his thing or whatever and didn't move on to the next song. So, wow. So, uh, yeah, so that, that my phone rang literally the next day. Um, and you know, I, I, you know, from there, I just climbed the ladder working with a whole bunch of pop acts and then the pop acts turned into, uh, rock acts. And then, you know, I started kind of doing backline too, uh, as you know, a lot of people will throw in keyboards or DJ stuff with the playback world just to try to make it economically feasible or whatever. So um, it, it was actually Britney Spears's musical director who got me the gig with Linkin Park. Wow. So he referred, he, uh, Delcor referred me and then I just kind of started working with them, hit it off with Joe. And then I went from being just the DJ tech to, you know, being this, you know, one of the in-studio guys, I was like doing stuff at all of their house studios. And then, you know, then I ended up playing in the band 
um, for covering for Joe when he had to step away for some stuff. Ben filled in for some shows and he and I had like a little rivalry going on, <laughs> with, you know, who was playing the most amount of shows or whatever. Oh. <laughs> well, that, that, that kind of became the main impetus for the beginning of our band Knifes, where I was working for Lincoln Park. And it's honestly the it was about the third show in where uh, we were in St. Petersburg, Russia, and the production manager came up to me and I was I was guitar tagging for Brad Delson, the lead guitar player. And he was like, uh, Brad hurt his back. He's not sure if he can make it to the show. Can Are you prepared? Can you play the show? And I was like, oh, gosh, uh, I didn't know this was going to be a thing. Like, may, maybe. So then I just like the I just started like learning all this stuff I didn't know. I kind of already knew the set. Fortunately, that day, uh, Brad did show up and played the show. It maybe would have been a train wreck. But that's when I was like, okay, I got to learn these. This is the third show I've ever done with this band. I got to learn these songs. So I learned the whole set. And then uh, a few months later, we flew to Brazil. And that's when the production manager, uh, we landed and he's like, uh, Brad's sick. He's not coming to Brazil. You're playing the shows. No questions asked. You're playing lead guitar for Linkin Park, these shows. Oh also, also Steven Tyler's got a sore throat for Aerosmith. Go sing for them also. Uh, it's, like, it's, <laughs> like, it's wild. So, so I, played, I played those two shows and everything went well. And I'd never been a songwriter before, but I was like, I don't know. I can play these Linkin Park songs. Maybe I can, maybe I can write some songs. So I had a few riffs. Me and Warren started jamming. And uh, I think the first time I knew we were on something, we had kind of recorded a little bit of a demo at home. And then Warren's like, yo, I got that hook stuck in my head. And I was like, what? Like, I wrote a song and you it's stuck in your head? Like, <laughs> all right, cool. So we'd kind of gone on a few months, uh, well, actually a few years, like in its early stages where we didn't have a bass player. I was kind of writing the bass parts, but we weren't really playing any shows. And then... Um, after Chester's passing, me and Warren both started working for Fallout Boy. Like I said, I'd known Diaz for years. So it was just like, yo, Diaz, you're a bass player now. Like, didn't give him a yeah, choice. I got, I, got oh. I got thrown into it, uh, you know? And well, I mean, I wanted to do it too, because like being out here and being and like always being around bands and you always have, I always have ideas and things I want to do. And it just happened to be, you know, it's hard to do when you're touring so much because you're on different schedules. If we were all like working with different bands or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, we might be able to get together once, you know, once a month or whatever. But if we're on tour together, our off time is always going to be the same. And if we all live in the same place, then we could just do the band. So we were like, all right, let's do Let's uh, let's I'll do it. I'm, I'm in. I want to play music. I want to do something. And he wow. sent me the songs and I was like, all right, I'm, I can do this. This is something, <laughs> this is something I'm in. I'm into. That's for awesome. sure. So you guys both met. So um, Ben, you ended up working with Fall Out Boy and Brian. You had you were already doing. Yeah, it I was already that. there. Okay. Yeah. Fall Out Boy's kind of been my main gig for the last three years. But all of us, you know, we have our main gigs, and then kind of when fill in the gaps, you know, it's like, oh, we have uh, the the band's not doing anything for seven months. Cool. I'm gonna go, you know, work for this band now for a while. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm curious. Um, do you have to know, like you said, you you got a, you had to fill in right on guitar uh, for Lincoln Park. Mm -hmm. Do you have to know all the songs and like the set personally? When you it <laughs> so that's not a normal thing for our job. But War but like for Warren, Warren kind of like he knew the whole. Well, one, he's just a fantastic drummer, so he can just hear the songs <laughs> and play them. Pick it. But you know, Warren had the situation too where he filled in on drums uh, for Lincoln Park, and I, you can tell talk more about your preparing for that. Uh, yeah, uh, the tour where Chester broke his ankle, um, Rob, you know, that was maybe three or four shows in 
And I think we got done with the first show and Rob hurt his shoulder. And he was like, yo, I don't think I'm going to be able to finish this leg of the tour. I know you play drums, learn the set, you know, you'll play the second half of tomorrow's show and then you'll finish the rest of the leg. So I was like, all right, so we're in Atlanta and they, me and the uh, playback guy go into a, a rehearsal studio and I practice all day or whatever. And then I get to the venue, I do sound check, everything. I'm super stoked. I'm like, sweet, I'm, this is like, this is it. And then Chester breaks his ankle prior to the show and then we canceled the whole tour. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so, you know, I, uh, I did play uh, on my birthday. My birthday was the last show ever. And really? uh, they called me up for the last part of the last song. So that was that was pretty intense. That's pretty special. Wow, that is cool. That is really cool. So, but you're saying even Brian, you're saying you have to like, you should know all the songs. Well, like yeah, I mean, well, I, I now now I kind of make a habit of it because in 2000, say 2014, um, I worked for Pete, the bass player for mm -hmm. Fall Out Boy, and uh, he was his uh, his lady was about to have have a baby and. Mm -hmm you know, he had to be there for that. So he was like, sure. all right, kind of he's, a big like, deal. he's like the projected, you know, date is these dates. So we'll probably need you to play like three shows. He's like, I'll come back. I'm going to do red rocks, but the other shows after that, I need you to cover those. And uh, I learned, you know, I learned the whole set. Like I got a, I got like a live recording, you know, that from earlier that tour, and they, they pretty much don't really, they don't change their set a whole lot, you know, little inside uh, information there, but <laughs> the set generally stays the same, maybe a couple songs swap out. So I was able to learn the whole set from that. And it was kind of like that thing. I'm like, man, if you actually do this and I have to do this set, you need to do this in the exact order. I learned it. <laughs> it, can't, it can't be any different because I'm going to be like, I mean, super concentration mode on that. But, um, yeah, I ended up just like every day, like every day off, I'd sit in my hotel room for a couple hours, just go through the set, make sure I, you know, had the muscle memory. And, you know, the, the day came and she didn't give birth. And then the next day and the next day and then the tour ended and she, I never got I never got to play. Oh, um, but you knew they, the songs. They, they, <laughs> yeah, prepared. I knew the songs. They threw me a little money for getting prepared, but uh, it would have been it would have been cool to have done it. I mean, there have been times when I've learned I've had to fill in for bands, even with motion city soundtrack. There was a show that I did with them and we played a show in Sacramento where two of the guys had to leave to go to a wedding. So we had a fill in drummer and I filled in on bass, but um, you know, it's, it's always good to just know the songs because you never know when you got to step in for even just a sound check. You know, mm -hmm. I've done that. I, I filled in for Duff McKagan uh, of guns and roses wow. at a sound check in Germany and it was very last minute and I actually didn't really know that many songs. And I like, they were like, all right, in about two hours, the band will be here. So you need to learn these six songs. I'm like six songs in two hours. Holy shit. I got to yeah. get this going right now. But, uh, but yeah, you got, I mean, you got, you got the nod of approval from slash and that made it. All I, did. I did. I yeah, did. That's cool. That is huge. <laughs> that is huge <laughs> on bigger tours. The like when you got between bands, when you do the line check, lots of times now the front of house person does it on headphones, but that used to be like my favorite part uh, yeah. where it's like coming out there and just play a riff. I used to always in, in especially in smaller clubs, 
I used to always sound check with silver chair riffs and the crowd oh, would be like, rad. yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly that fell off. I'm like, don't you kids know your history? I'm playing silver chair. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I always thought that was funny when when the tech would come out and strum some chords or play a little riff and people are going nuts. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, you guys realize that that's not actually, you know, they, they kind of oh, don't yeah. know, they kind of don't know that, like, the guy's actually doing work. Like, he's checking to make sure the sounds work. He's not coming out to, like, you know, for his own ego. <laughs> even around, though there's, there's yeah. a little bit of ego in it. But, yeah, it's like he's actually just doing his job right now. <laughs> that's awesome. So once you guys start, you know, Warren and, and Ben, you guys start playing together and you send these riffs over to Brian, what what year was this? Like, what, what, when oh. was... So it was probably 2017, late 2017. 2017. Yeah. Yeah, because I actually was going through some of my, like, I'm just trying to organize my computer a little bit. This is a ton of, like, random, like, audio clips and things. And some of it was from, like, 2017. I remember seeing I was like, ooh, this is really old knife demos. Like, stuff that's, like, maybe, you know, became different versions of the songs that we eventually committed to, you know, the EPs and releases and stuff but yeah it was pretty interesting going through that i was like wow this some of these songs have been kicking around for a minute and were you guys able to play some shows prior to or were you all pretty busy and just kind of had this as well, a we, starting around early 2018 we were kind of able to start like doing small shows at like local bars and whatnot but just because of work schedules and whatnot we never got like super consistent um with with playing shows we we're also able to like pull a few favors so it's like you know working for bands like that band the matches uh that mm -hmm. i used to work for they were doing a show at the troubadour and i was like oh can we open the show? And they're like, better yet, what if you're just the only other band on the show? And it's like, yeah, oh, so that was cool playing amazing. like, you know, sold out show at the Troubadour. Um, Joe from Fall Out Boy has a side project called The Damned Things. They uh -huh. were playing at the Whiskey, uh, I guess it was 2019. So it was like, yo, yeah, I was like, uh, you know, just pulled that like, yo, I'll be teching for you at the show, but also like, can we play? And it was like, right. yeah, you guys can play. So we get to open that show. So trying to take advantage of some of those relationships too. That's amazing. And you guys put an EP out prior to uh, the most recent one? Yeah, so the most recent one came out last Friday, and October yeah. 2nd was our first five-song EP. Okay. okay. Uh, called Proof of Concept. Okay, so Proof of Concept came out October 2020, and then you just yeah. released no, one on Friday? Yeah, October 2020, correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. very cool. I'm curious, you guys were like the most directly affected by this whole virus when it comes to the music industry, I feel sure. like. I mean at least follow boys making money still off their records and, and everything else. And you guys are pretty much like the, the rugs ripped out from right under you. I mean, tell me about that. That must've been so like, yeah, we were getting pretty, we were, we were pretty close to having, well, so, I mean that last, last summer we were supposed to be on tour. Um, Fall Out boy was doing a tour with green day and Weezer. So we yeah, had gone to Europe. Yeah, what was uh, it called? Uh, no, Hello Mega Tour. Oh yeah, Pop Disaster Tour was the great. That was the years ago. <laughs> that was, I went. To, I, I went was... to that one too. <laughs> Jimmy Worlds. Yeah, uh, that was a great yeah. tour. Yeah, um, it's like two thousand three or something. Yeah. yeah, I went to that one too in San Diego. Core's Amphitheater, not the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Saw um, it in uh, Tampa. Okay, so uh, yeah, the the one that interrupters Weezer. That, so mm -hmm. that was the tour you guys were gonna you were supposed to be on. Yeah, and you know, like obviously. It, the beginning of it is the same story for everybody. It's like, okay, the country's going to close down for two weeks. And, you know, we were about five or six weeks away from leaving on tour. Um, and, uh, and, and I just kind of saw the writing on the wall. I was like, ah, this isn't going to happen. And, um, you know, 
uh, for a lot of people, uh, every roadie's story is different, but for some people it's financially difficult. But I will say like, I think um, the what what the government did with like pandemic unemployment insurance and all that stuff, I think that really helped a lot of people. Plus Live Nation had some um, stuff. I think Warren, you were on tour at the time, right? Yeah, we were, uh, Slipknot did three months at the beginning of 2020 and we were supposed to go home. We shipped everything to Asia. We were like supposed to have a week off. And I said, I said, I was the complete, uh, you know, glasses half full guy. I was like, there's no way we're not going to Japan. There's way <laughs> too much money on the table. I was like, there's no, there's no way we're not going to nope. Japan. I, I came to London. I like got my Japan visa. I like had to, you know, FedEx my passport all over the place. And I get back to LA and, you know, within three days of getting back to LA, they were like, nope, nothing's happening. We canceled a, uh, the, the not fest at sea, which was supposed to be their first, like, boat cruise thing everybody was super bummed about that and, you know so yeah i mean we we went from being in the thick of things and being like nah this isn't gonna last very long to being like what the hell do we do now yeah oh my gosh and oh, i didn't realize that you were working with slipknot at that at that time too that must that's uh, quite the band to be doing playback for i would imagine <laughs> they don't have playback they, oh they don't okay no, no, no. with with uh with slipknot i worked for sid the dj and craig the sampler guy oh okay and you know i'm like chopping their samples and setting up their rigs during the day but for the show sid has an animatronic mask and really I'm, yeah and i'm controlling sid's animatronic <laughs> mask during the show so when he's, when he's scratching his eyes move and when there's certain like parts where he will mouth what Corey's saying or lyrics or stuff like that, or he'll like run down and like do kind of like scary stuff. So I'm sitting there controlling his scary stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, it, the first time I saw the mask, it's super creepy. I was like, dude, oh, yeah. they, got those, they got those conveyor belt things, so he's like not jumping off, you know, crazy stuff anymore. And it it, it looks creepy now. Like it's not just scary. It's like, wow, this is kind of nuts. But yeah, for the for the whole show, I'm sitting there making Sid's mask move. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome! <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, so that tour obviously gets canceled. Then you you live full time in London. I do now. I just recently moved here, like maybe five months ago, four months ago. That's amazing. That's really cool. Um, so so obviously you guys had some downtime to what continue writing and working on knives is that was that the, what, what kind of i like my whole entire i was like okay we have all this downtime like i'm gonna start like i'll just write and i found like my brain wasn't working and i talked to a lot of other people there's like, a lot of that yeah yeah even Imagine. some like established big time artists that i know like i was chatting with one of them and he's like the same way and I, I mean i kind of i write a little more by like here I come up with a guitar riff and then I bring it to Warren and Brian and we jam it out and we kind of get, you know, figure out the song. And then I kind of figure out lyrics and melody once we have that going on. And I was just like, I don't know, none of like, I just can't even do anything that like excites me. But I felt, I felt validated when people from other like big bands that I respect were like, dude, same exact thing. And I was like, okay, it's not me. You know, I think some form of, I, I would, COVID didn't make me feel anxious overtly but i think there's just you know some shit your head's dealing with and it's sort of manifested in that way it can go through my like ableton and pro tools song fragments and i have just like hundreds of like oh this is like a 10 second blip that makes no sense and like i was and like i'd have an idea i'm like all right i'm gonna put just get this down real quick and then i go back to it i'm like i don't even remember what this is about like i don't i can't finish this because i don't know what this was but i think a lot of people had that 
that same issue where they were trying to get things done and you just had either you had a, a well of ideas and you were just going through the flow of it or you just couldn't record anything or figure anything out, you know? But we, yeah. I, I kind of used it though. So we had, um, we had previously with what became our first EP, um, Warren and I had sort of snuck into the studio of a band we worked for and recorded <laughs> drums on the DL. Like, I don't think the band knows still. <laughs> and it's like, but you know, they had the nice expensive studio drum set up in night and Mike Dwell. We're friends with the engineers and we're like, Hey, uh, let us know a day when the band's not going to be there and just, uh, hit, hit record for us. <laughs> uh, and then I'd finished, uh, with the, another friend did all the guitars and vocals Diaz did the bass. And so that became, it originally was very slow going, trying to put that first EP out. This is pre COVID um, just cause it's just, everybody's busy and it's hard to prioritize things in certain ways, get everybody on the same page, not even just talking about the band, like other people we were working with. Uh -huh. um, but once COVID kind of hit, we were able to be like, all right, let's get this mixed. Let's get the artwork. Let like, let's put this out. Let's do this. Um, so, so that became good for that kind of focus and getting that going on. It wasn't necessarily a creative focus, but getting the, the business side of that stuff done and then sort of a similar thing, even before the first EP came out, we also snuck in on the DL at a studio and another batch of songs we had written and recorded drums for that. So, <laughs> so I mean, to me, drums are the most important part to get a really nice studio sound from, and then you can build from there. Right. And um, and then we recorded the EP that just came out. The rest of that basically recorded at home. I did vocals and guitar at my house. Diaz did bass at his house and then got our buddy to mix that one also. Oh, wow. So you were just sharing files back and forth, like virtually, so to speak? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we... Um, I mean, at that point, I was okay with Diaz coming over. Uh, once we were in the oh, middle okay. of summer, I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah, I mean, whatever. We did, I did the I was bass. like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this instrument cable outside the window. You stand outside. <laughs> I'll turn it up loud enough so you can hear. No, I, I, I literally some of it recorded it at like my kitchen table, just like set it up, set up, you know. And as far as bass goes, that's the one where I'm like, I'm most okay with it, just like direct into the thing and you know, post-processing or whatever. Uh -huh. And I'm like taught myself basically how to edit my bass and how to do pro tools. Like that's one thing that I will say this last year has been good for is like, all right, I am going to finally learn how these like recording software works or video software, whatever it is, like just teach myself, just sit there. I had nothing but time. So I would <laughs> sit there and like, you know, so we finished recording that. And then Ben was like, all right, you know, we need some lyric videos for, for our songs. And I'm like, I'll give it a try. I have uh, I have the programs to make it happen. And I sat there and learned how to program animations and shit for, for that stuff. So, I mean, again, some people had it really, like Ben said, had it really difficult financially or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, we got a little bit lucky. We got a little money from the bands that we work for. And, you know, I just, I just use that time to just figure, figure out other things. You know, sure. whether it's whether it was recording the EP or re recording this, those songs for the second EP or making videos or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. were, you, were you guys able to like write some of this together? Like when you were on tour with Fall Out Boy, for example, or no, it was just business. And it then was always kind of the intention. 
uh-huh. then it's hard to like get in that mind space. Although I will say like, I do usually take a guitar with me on tour and it's like, might have a day off in a hotel room and it's like, I'm just strumming. I'm like, there, there definitely are a few songs where I just had a guitar in the room and I was like, Ooh, that's a, that's a cool riff. And that would become the beginning of a song. But it is, it is rare that like anytime on tour that we're all just kind of like, all right, let's get together in a room and work on stuff. Yeah. I, I, I need I, the energy of a, us of Warren just hitting some drums and us. <laughs> I always noise. plan on doing, I always plan on doing stuff like that. I think this, coming tour I'm, I'm planning on bringing like a little keyboard or, you know or with some drum pads and whatever now that i have a better understanding of how to record stuff i can actually do that in my time like if i have a good idea or something i'll just like throw together really something really quick but also there's that like that thing on like a day off on tour where i'm just like eh i don't want to do that <laughs> like, <laughs> right yeah. i want to do something else i want to go walk around town or whatever you know sure sure <laughs> did they re they reannounce the that tour yeah, yeah, so that yeah, on. the Hella Mega Tour is basically starting up at the end of July. So we've got we've got that going on. Me and Brian do. Cool. And what what about you, Warren? Do you have anything coming up as far as like tours re- uh, reannounce? Re- uh, Slipknot stuff starts in like a couple months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go back to DC and do a little bit of like local stagehand work or whatever. Yeah, I got some family stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, the world is reopening and everybody's uh-huh. falling back into their their house gigs, if you will, you know, to go and try to start doing what we, you know, what we plan on doing, a, you know, over a year ago, like, you know, Slipknot will be playing makeup dates for the next two years. Let right. Oh yeah. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of bands will. Yeah. There's some, I've never, it's funny because like, you know, you can go to something like a Wikipedia and see like a band's tour dates, you know, like they'll say like the whatever tour and you never like, for fallout boy at least there's never ever anything that ever says canceled and for the first time ever it was just like these listed dates and they were all canceled i was like god damn i'm like we're gonna have to make up all of this stuff in the Mm -hmm. next like we have europe that's gonna be in 2022 australia needs to be made up all this stuff needs to be made up we're gonna be doing that forever (laughs) i was gonna say you everyone want you you guys went from like dead stop to not being able to do your job to now it's probably like oh man like we have so much work ahead of us (laughs) i keep keep jokingly saying that 2022 is going to be the great roadie shortage because every band is touring i mean starting Uh in 2021 but 2022 like a a lot of road crew people found new jobs like oh i want to see my family like i got this new job i'm going to stay home and do this but like there's not going to be enough of us to go around so like our our rates are going to skyrocket right Right now like i think right now i'm not going to be extremely busy only because the only thing you can really do right now is be in in the united states like we can't go sure we, we can't do canada can maybe do like something in mexico or something we can't go to europe yet we definitely can't go to asia um, definitely can't go to Australia. So, oh, really? Australia is not letting people in. Australia's not letting anybody in until twenty. No, yeah, they're not. Wow. Doing, not they're not letting any bands. We. I was supposed to go with. I, I work for Bush as well. Um, okay. And um, we were supposed to go to Australia this year. Yeah. Um, would have been the first, and it got pretty last minute. Was canned because mm-hmm. the, just just to do it would have been massive, massive undertaking. They needed like a two week quarantine here at home and then two weeks there. So a full month of your life would have been in a really strict quarantine test. It was all like, it was crazy. The the guidelines I have were crazy. And I think in the end wasn't worth it. Um, okay. So they're, they're just going to hold off on that. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. I, we have this U S tour coming up, but then after that, 
you know, it's you kind of have to wait to really tour full time all year. You you have to travel the world. So you, you can't just be going. Till- yeah, you can't just be doing loops around the United States. Like it, you, you can only <laughs> do a market so many times. You know, sure. you can headline, you can open for another band, and then you know. After that, it's like maybe some festivals, but not I was going to say the bands that. you guys work for are only headliners. I mean, you're not going to see Follow Boy like opening up really for, well, for many I mean, bands. This this tour will be the first <laughs> I in 12. How many years have I worked for them? 15, six, 15 years, 15 years. This will be the besides the tour we did with Blink-182 would be the only time they didn't headline because we're not playing last. We're like yeah, Green you know, Day's headlining over Fall Out Green Boy. Day's green day closes the show so this is the first time i'll be done at like eight o'clock trucks packed i'm out (laughs) i'll go watch green day or i'll you know go somewhere in town or whatever you know that's gonna be very different it's gonna actually it's gonna be kind of nice to like not you know you have that kind of pressure not not for me so much but for them and then you gotta load in the day before and blah 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 so for us it's it'll be a, a an easier tour that's for sure. That's nice. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that all, everyone else is is locked down because I I've interviewed people. Actually, I interviewed Gavin Rosdale. He was I was supposed to interview him when you guys were in Australia, yeah. but it he all, lives out here. He he lives yeah. in LA. yeah. So I ended up yeah interviewing yeah, him yeah. here. And but um he, he yeah I didn't realize that they were shutting down everything like that and not letting people go into other countries. I know Canada is really strict. Like even coming back, yeah. if you if you leave there and come back, you have to be in like some government issued hotel quarantine mm-hmm. and then you go home and they'll send people to your door and like make sure yeah. you're there it's like pretty and wild like, i think i mean they you can me every day they called me every day for 10 days when i, really? when I got back here from italy oh my gosh yeah. just yeah like we sure could yep we could go to i mean we're allowed to go to like iceland and stuff but like as far as working because when you're going there with a tour you're you're technically you're working so like they're not going to issue you a work visa to go there now they're going to be like no you can come as a tourist maybe but not to, uh, not to you're not work. bringing a whole tour with like bands and crew and gear and all this stuff they just it's just not there yet so mm-hmm. it'll come back and you know that's when that's when things will get really busy and we'll be like non-stop you know it's funny because i was just like looking at something that I had been, it was like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, it had to be 2019 where I was like, oh, my fourth time in England this year. And I was like, whoa, I went to Europe four times in one year. I haven't been there since. Like, <laughs> it's just been in LA. This is crazy. Yeah. It's the longest I've been in one city for since I was like a kid. <laughs> Do you ever, like, looking back as a kid, did you, could you ever imagine being able to like tour the world? Like you have, like, I mean, that must be so incredible to be able to see the world like that. I mean, the first band that I knew that ever played outside of, um, outside of the United States, I was like blown away. Cause they were like dudes my age. And I was like 18 at the time or like 17. I was like, Holy shit. They toured in Europe. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are, I'm still friends with, and we actually talked about it recently and they were like, oh, don't be too envious. That tour sucked. It was he's <laughs> like, I, we got robbed in, in Italy. Uh, we uh, I lost all my, you know, my luggage or I lost my passport in England, like all this stuff that happened to them. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds like it sucks. But, <laughs> but I was so time. like I was motivated by that. I was like, you know what? If these guys can do it, I can do it. I want to eventually do it one day. And, you know, here we are. <laughs> 
the it's first amazing. time I ever flew to do a European tour, like I'm on the airplane and then we're like flying into Heathrow, like approaching and I'm looking around, I'm like, these are the oldest buildings I've ever seen. Like just kind of <laughs> like, like everything's, I'm sure this, this building could have been built 30 years ago, but I'm just like, this country's old. This is amazing. <laughs> I know. America's so like not old. It just like, you go somewhere they're like, look at this building. It's over 50 years old. This is part of our local history. And you're like, this is just like, that's the McDonald's. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> that's the McDonald's. Uh, that's amazing. And then, so oh, let's go back to talking about your band real quick. So you released the record on Friday. Mm -hmm. um, I, yep. Stuff is open in LA now, right? I mean, it just kind of yesterday, yep. the day before. Yeah, like two days ago. It's it's weird. It's it's you still can't can't quite tell yet, but also you can tell because it's just like, hey, you can just go to a bar now. And yeah, they're, like, I walked they, into they, a bar with no mask, just sat at the counter and started talking to people. Whoa. And it was like, I looked around, I was like, well, we're just back to this now. Like, it's just a regular, regular ass day. Yeah, my mom and sister went to a baseball game the other day with no sure. masks on either. They were sure. like, you know, my sister was like, I feel like I'm going to let the dog out. Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, like you're doing like doing something wrong, like being yeah. somewhere without a mask on. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels it definitely feel like felt weird for like a day. And now it's just like whatever. Like I carry a mask in my pocket. If I need to go somewhere, like I'm going to be agreeable about it. I'm like, I won't wear a ma like we're allowed to walk around without it. I, whatever. If I go to the door of a place and it says, put a mask on and they make, they, it's like, yeah, we'd prefer if you did, I'll put it on. I don't care. Like, I don't see what the big deal is. Like it's not the biggest deal in the world. So I've right. carried a bandana in my back pocket since I was like 13 <laughs> and I'm so thankful that my fashion accessory is now totally accepted. Now you can wear Finally. it. <laughs> exactly. I kind of have this like catch 22 where it's like, cause now the signs in places like the coffee shop I go to, it's like, you know, if uh, unvaccinated customers, please wear a mask. But then like, I kind of see everybody else wearing a mask. So I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'll just put a mask on just so, but then I'm like, wait, do they think I'm not vaxxed? And I'm like, I get torn back and forth. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna tear. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I guess it's really, um, you know, honesty, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, it's just a gray area right now. I'm like, in another week, everybody will kind of stop wearing the mask in a polite way, I guess. You know, the back. Sure. I don't know. I feel like I saw it. It was like on AV Club or something. There was a, a headline. It was about a some theater that reopened. And they were like, this theater now allows vaccinated, unmasked patrons and total liars. To be like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is amazing. That's so amazing. That, <laughs> do you think you guys will be able to get out and play this record to, to anyone? Oh, well, yeah. well, you're in London. That's going to be. Well, I'm, say, I'm, I'm, the I'm very tri-coastal. I, you know, yeah. we, we all spend thousands of hours a year on an airplane. So, you okay. know, as long as the, the borders open and, you know, planes are still flying, you know, we, we, we can all get anywhere in a matter of hours. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be back in the States in two weeks. So yeah. Uh, okay. If we, if we book, if we book any big shows, then like, you know, I'm sure Warren will like fly right in, but, uh, yeah, he has right of first refusal to every show, but I don't want to really want to play any shows without him. But if we book something, it's like, ah, all right, we'll find somebody maybe to play drums, but I only <laughs> want to do it with Warren. Sure, sure. Do you have any plans to play anything before, I mean, before the Green Day Fall Out Boy tour kicks if off? We could put something together, yeah, but it hadn't even really been on my radar because I, I, I kind of didn't realize we didn't, like, like- We didn't oh, know it was yeah. going to be like open to, to be able to play. Yeah, it's it was like, so... okay, on Monday, you can stop wearing masks. Also, yell into a microphone and scream into people's places at a, uh, faces at a bar. Oh shit! I forgot to do that too. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think it'll, I think we'll be able to do something hopefully, hopefully pretty soon. I mean, like, again, like it kind of, it kind of takes it like takes not by surprise, but sort of like, Oh shit. Like everything really is wide open. We can actually go play a show. So hopefully we can get that going sooner rather than later. But you know, and Diaz have toyed with the idea also of like, uh, oh. <laughs> try to pl- try to book shows on days off on the uh, Hella Mega tour. It's like, oh, we're in uh, we're in Cleveland for two days. Like, let's try to book a show somewhere. Let's just run I, Warren's yeah. drum tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we have we have access to everything. I got my in ears. Let's do this. Let's get a yeah. let's get Spud, our our monitor engineer, to do monitors. He'll just do the ears for us at like some bar somewhere on a day off. <laughs> put him be, to work <laughs> that would be rad yeah like on an off day you guys just start looking <laughs> the guys in fall boy are like i mean <laughs> are you I mean, touring just, on our tour <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah like, it, honestly it'd be, it'd be like that's something that i've always thought about doing like when you have enough off days on a tour and this tour coming up has plenty of them um where you're just like man it would be it would be cool just to have you know a few people on tour just throw together some songs and like find some random place in like Omaha to go play it at a bar somewhere. And you're just like, yeah, we did our first tour. Like, yeah, we did it. It's like, wait, all these dates are the same as the hell mega tour, but like off by one day. I was it me, me, me and me and Diaz are uh, pretty good friends with the interrupters. Also actually a okay. band that kind of started off as roadies too, but I will say, I love if, Hey, Hey, Kevin Bavona, if you're listening, if somebody happens to Nancy Kerrigan, your leg, and then just we, the knife end up taking your spot on that tour. It wasn't me. <laughs> They're great. I've had a chance to, to interview them a, a couple of times. I love yeah, they, they, I mean, they, band. They, they, they have a great story too. Gosh, I mean, uh, the, the fact that they were all kind of roadies to me and Kevin knew each other for a long time. Then uh, I don't need to go into their story on this podcast, but I just, I'm so proud of them and what yeah. they've done. And they, yeah, they are killing it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, I will say that I, like I said, I was from, I'm from San Diego. My, I, my family just moved to Nashville, like during oh. this pandemic. And I'm totally bummed that the tour is not coming. I mean, I think Atlanta, you guys are playing Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. I don't right, really know. Yeah. I, that's the closest to us, but I was super excited. Cause I'm like, we, we had this thing going in San Diego with the hard rock hotel and it was right next door to Petco. And I'm like, Oh, we can do something oh, cool. cool. And then we will, we move, but you guys get to play Petco park and that's going to be pretty, yeah. pretty awesome. I'm excited <laughs> to do baseball stadiums like that. That's not a, you know, it's usually like the biggest is kind of like arenas or amphitheaters, but then you get on that level. It's like, oh, we're doing baseball stadiums. Like, sweet. The, the only level is up the is football, football stadiums. Stadium. Yeah, that's yeah. It. Oh, sure. I'm actually <laughs> surprised that some of the dates aren't at football stadiums because green, I mean, fall uh, green and Weezer, I'm thinking all draw and it's like everybody will come to see. It's like, I think a baseball band. stadium is big enough. I, you know, I, it's funny. I don't have to see it from the crowd, you know, so I, mm-hmm. I don't really care where it is. But personally, for my for my own personal taste, I, I an arena is about as big of a venue as I want to see anything in. Like, I can't imagine being in like, you know, a soccer stadium like we did in, you know, with GNR we did in, in Europe. We were doing like 80,000 people in a giant soccer stadium. And you're like, what are you even seeing? Like, you're in like the third tier up all the way in the back. I mean, I guess you're just looking at these giant video screens, but. I don't know. It just feels so disconnected. You know, you're so like, you're even hearing, you're hearing the music delayed. You're not even hearing it as it's happening. You're hearing the past. You're hearing history. It's not, (laughs) it's not actually happening. What you're hearing is not actually happening as you're seeing it. 
But like, I mean, I don't know. I just like for my own personal preference, like an arena is already like too big, but that's mm-hmm. as far as I'll, you know, you want to take it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, yeah. That, that's a great point. Cause guns and roses played the football stadium in San Diego when it sure. was still standing. Yeah. And you could just go like, hang out on the bridge over by the 15th freeway and you could hear the show if you wanted to totally so pretty much not just, you're not getting the visual, <laughs> but you're getting the same experience uh, right. as the people in the nosebleed section. That I remember one time paid. in high school, the rolling stones were playing at the football stadium in Tampa and my house is probably like eight miles from that stadium and I remember going outside and be like I'll probably be able to hear the Rolling Stones <laughs> I could not at all but I just I was convinced <laughs> that it was like I'm gonna I'm gonna go sit on the patio and listen to the Rolling Stones concert that's eight miles away <laughs> at, that, at that DC pavilion that I worked at we had a Metallica show one year where we were getting noise complaints 17 miles away Damn. oh wow <laughs> or we just ca- it carries, you know. Sound can ca- it just depends, you know what what it is. I remember doing something at a this is like a South Korean festival, and uh, I don't know, were you there, Ben, when we did South Korea with Mm-mm. Fall Boy now? And uh, the I just remember the light show and the you know like we loaded in overnight. We were headlining, so we loaded in overnight. Our our uh, lighting guy was programming the show, Rob, and um, there was like you know there was he was running audio, so it's like super loud and whatever. And um, I remember being at the hotel and being able to like look out the window and see like the sky like lighting up like every so often from his show and like hearing like the faint noise and we were miles away. So I was like, wow, like that's pretty crazy. Like we're definitely causing a disturbance in town right now. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. like people like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> that's amazing. That's so cool. I. I mean, I, I envy you guys being able to tour the world, especially with these huge bands. I mean, that's so cool. And then being able to write music on the side and putting out a rad record. I, I love oh, the thank new you. record. Yeah. Thank you. So that's that's so amazing. I feel, and, it's like a little more of a punk rock vibe than the first one. But uh-huh. uh, but yeah, it's just uh, it's fun stuff. Like I'm excited for people to every band says it. I'm excited for people to hear what we've done. But um, but yeah, I think. I think that we wrote awesome music. I agree. I think it's a rad record and hopefully you'll be able to play it once you guys are all around the same area. Maybe once, once stuff calms down, like you said, you guys are going to be in high demand here soon enough when, when no one's, when everyone's touring at the same time. Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) And thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks. Yeah, I do have one more question for you all. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Advice for ex- aspiring artists. Um, I feel like I'm still aspiring. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I mean, as far as like, if it's from the perspective of songwriting, um, well, oh, I had a thought, now I just lost it. Um, I mean, there's obviously the, like, just keep doing it. Just, you know, like when I first started, I was like, I don't know if I'm any good at this, but I'm just going to do it. And then it's like, oh, I guess I am now as an aspiring songer, you might be awful at it. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, just keep, keep doing it and, uh, and see if you get a positive response. And, uh, if you're not getting positive responses, like, you know, go get that job at Chipotle. They're paying more now. <laughs> <laughs> They're in demand. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Brian? <laughs> I mean, it was sort of along the same lines where, you know, I just never, I, I knew I, I, you know, just my personal experience, I knew that I was doing something that I really wanted to do that I loved and I didn't give up on it. And I just kept on, you know, you keep on, 
keep at it. And you're, it's always a learning process. There's no, no one knows the most. So you're always learning something new, whether it's songwriting or being a tech or traveling the world. You just, you don't know everything about it. So like you just have to, it's always, it's just continue learning and like be, be flexible to, to growth. You know, that's an important thing when you're doing anything, but especially when you're doing music and that, you know, writing music, it's really important to like not stagnate, just keep, letting yourself grow. I think that's one of the important things on his point that I kind of took it is just his career advice in general is I kind of always had like a general goal, but never like, you know, you never, you never know what opportunities are going to pop up. So just kind of be prepared, prepare yourself for opportunities. You know, like I didn't know if I'd get to play guitar for Linkin Park, but I learned all the songs just in case it happened. Uh, and so just always prepare for opportunities that may never come up, but but don't be stuck to just one path. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to make it. Uh, just always diversify, diversify your portfolio. Wu-Tang diversify. Financial. And always remember, <laughs> um, don't be, don't be the smartest person in the room. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're, the you're in the wrong room. Exactly. I love that. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> I want to say, Brian, I love your photography work. On oh, your thank Instagram. you. It's, it's thank killer. You. Did you have a chance to, to like, like on an off day or a, a tour day, That's basically to... all I ever do on off days. I just grab my cameras, which I bring with me, and I'll usually bring a couple, like a film camera and a digital, and just walk around town. So I'm actually looking forward to doing that again because it's been a while. Like I'm running out of things to uh, to shoot here in LA, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'd like to shoot some bands again. It would be nice. It'll be nice to like shoot the Interrupters and Weezer. You know, it'll be That's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Your work is incredible. I just Thank wanted you. to let you know. So cool. Um, what about you, Warren? Do you have anything, uh, any advice? Uh, kind of an offshoot of what Diaz said, you know, just do what you love. If you, if you love playing a specific instrument, you know, keep playing your instrument. If you love writing music, keep writing music. If you like work, love working at Chipotle, work at Chipotle. You know? <laughs> I love doing two spoonfuls. <laughs> Hashtag ad. <laughs> you know, you're going to meet, you know, people who are into it, you're going to meet people who aren't into it. The only thing that matters is if you're into it. And if you know, you got faith exactly. in yourself, you got faith in your product, you got faith in your abilities, you got faith in where you can go with it, then, you know, the sky's the limit if you decide to take it up.